Welcome to Crux Investor. Today we're going to be joined by Bruce McLeod, the CEO of Sabina Gold and Silver. He's going to talk us through their activities of 2018 and also their plans for this year. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I, know it's, I know it's early there. Um, so, Bruce, we've heard your story um, before, but we wanted to kind of get into a little bit of detail about some of the players on your team, uh, maybe understand a little bit more about you. So, can you tell us about Yourself, where you come from, your background, your relevant experience. I'm third generation in, in the mining business. Grew up uh, in the business. Uh, my father was a was a successful developer, and, and uh, before that, my grandfather uh, a miner, and uh, and and felt that uh, there was actually it was more lucrative to sell beer to miners than it was to be a miner. Um, so we'll call it two and a half generations. Mining engineer uh, have worked uh, on three continents and a number of very successful uh, mines, including building a Minto mine north of sixty in uh, in the Yukon. You know, permafrost forty below, uh, logistically challenged. So a lot of relevant experience to uh, a project like Sabina's. But I think what really helps us on Sabina and uh, and and probably gives us even far more. Uh, knowledge base than we did with 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 Minto and Sherwood is I've got a board that has uh, significant experience too. My chairman is Walter Segsworth. Walter um, was the chairman of uh, Cumberland, which uh, is now Ignico's uh, Meadowbank mine, and before that uh, was the CEO of Westman and the CEO of Homestake, which ran the largest banded iron formation in the world uh, with the lead mine in, in the Dakotas. With that, we also have a new uh, addition, which is Rick Howes. He's the CEO of Dundee Precious Metals, which is a 10% shareholder of ours. Uh, he worked at Polaris, which is the most northern uh, Canadian mine uh, ever uh, for a number of years as, uh, as senior management. Um, makes uh, Sabina in southwestern uh, Nunavut actually look logistically uh, uh, simple. And a lot of it because that was a base metal mine that also had to deal with shipping out concentrates where we air freight out uh, uh, bullion. Um, on top of that, uh, significant financial, uh, permitting, uh, uh, operating uh, uh, experience in corporate governance. So I think really we've developed a, a team that uh, we believe is best in class for a, for a project such as ours. Right. I, I know in um, some of the pieces that you've done in the press, you talk about de-risking the project. Perhaps that's something we can come on to in a little bit more detail in a moment. But first, I want to ask you, how do you think you did in 2018? If we were doing a report card, what, what, what would you say? We knocked it out of the park in 2018 for everything except for the most important one, and that's equity uh, press. If we look at the objectives that we had, it was uh, our permitting. We got both our type A and our type B water license, so we're now fully licensed and permitted to, uh, to go to the next level. After that uh, uh, was our deal with the Katikmiot Inuit Association, and that was a 20-year term deal that uh, we completed um, that uh, would now give us a social license uh, to move the project forward. Also, uh, did a, a great job of building up the infrastructure and logistics, which is one of the challenges of, on this project. Uh, built our, our port facility, our marine laydown facility on time and on budget. We now have the potential to, to continue to grow uh, this already large and high-grade resource. But we're also in a challenging equity market and um, we underperformed compared to our peers. So even though that we did, I think, a, a very good job in our deliverables, 
um, from an equity uh, uh, shareholder perspective, um, I think that uh, we, you know we have to do better. So, and when, so, what do you think went wrong? When you say in relation to your peers, what were they doing that you weren't? Well, I think what they, many of them were doing that we weren't is, is some of our peers were already fully financed. Um, we weren't, and I think you know, in a weak equity market, people are are fearful that you're going to hit the equity market at, at the wrong time at the inopportune time, hitting the market with a very significant financing for production um, probably caused people fear that uh, you know that there was significant dilution coming in a market that, quite frankly, wouldn't be able to uh, absorb it. Uh, or finance it. I, I think that's that. That's probably the the first uh, and foremost uh, uh, thing. And look, we did a deal with uh, Zhao Jin in uh, December, close it in January of eighteen. And you know, Zhao Jin brought um, uh, significant dollars, almost seventy million dollars for nine point nine percent to the company, giving us a, a, doing it a very significant premium. And and I think what the market sensed is, even though the market was weak, that we were going to go ahead. And I don't think anything could be further from the truth in that we are very cognizant of uh, the capital structure of the company. That doesn't mean that we won't continue to do small financings to add value, but I think we, we, we feel that we need the timing to be better for us to, uh, to move the project into that ultimate phase. But that de-risking phase that we, we have to do, I think, will um, uh, uh, save us uh, dilution because what it will do is reduce our cost of capital on this project. Right. Okay. I think we'll come back to Xiaojin in, in, in a moment. But I mean, the, I think the other thing is noticeable is you're getting out into the market more than you did last year. You know, you're, you, you've, we've seen you in several interviews. Would you say that's a fair comment? I, I wouldn't say we've, we've done it more. I think maybe we're probably a higher profile company than we were a year ago. Now, now a permitted uh, first world jurisdiction. You know, it, there's very few um, now comparables. There's very few companies that actually have been through this long process of, of Canada, US, you know, first world um, of that we can say that we're shovel ready. So I think what happened is we probably have more eyes upon us because we're in a, a, a very small group of peers. Right, okay. So just to finish off on the, on the 2018 report card, is there anything that you would have done differently? You say you've knocked it out of the park, but looking back, what would you have done differently? You know, I don't think there's anything that we could have done differently. You know, the uh, not taking uh, a significant e equity uh, contribution would uh, would put us in a position that we'd probably have to do it in a in a weaker market later uh, in the year. You know, I th I think that focusing on expiration still is something that we feel is important. Um, it's one of the few things that you can actually look at uh, our equity performance, and when we deliver. Uh, expiration results see that there's a uh, uh, a response uh, that that's positive. Okay, so let's look forward for a minute. You've got some pretty impressive shareholders there with Dundee Precious Metals and also uh, Xiao Jin. Um, what what are they asking of you for 2019, 2020? What are you asking of yourselves? Well, I think we again are in a market right now that people are are fearful fearful of uh, of uh, you know doing a large equity offering to uh, to advance the project to construction and production. One of the things about working in the area that we are is is there is more inherent risk, but we also have more inherent reward because of the size of our resource, the grade of our resource. Remember, these are the highest grade undeveloped open pits uh, in the world. If we look at other peers in Nunavut. Um, we're up to double the grade of, of very successful mines in, in today's in today's times. But the risk, and when it comes to logistics and infrastructure risk, 
and perceived capital risk to the project, those are things that when we're looking at financiers, we're looking at debt packages, we're looking at equity uh, offerings, is people are afraid that the, the infrastructure and logistics will cost more to overcome and they're fearful that our capital costs will be significantly higher than we've estimated. But that's your role as CEO, you know, you're managing risk every, every day. So, you know, if we look at some of the things that you're, you've been doing and you're going to be doing this year, I mean, can you t tell us a little bit more about that over and above the, the capital risk component? Well, the capital risk component is a big part of it, so I'll touch sure. on that, is that um, what we have done with our feasibility uh, is brought up beyond that and basic engineering and, and well down the path of detailed engineering. So getting, you know, rather than an estimate, which is a feasibility, um, even a bankable feasibility is still an estimate, is, is getting supplier quotes, getting them refreshed. But instead of the method of delivery, which was EPCM, which is time and materials, it's cost plus. Mm -hmm. is we are going down the path of an EPC or a fixed price bid for the physical plant. We'll now we're an engineering construction firm that say, look, we will actually build this to this specification and with performance guarantee, which gives our shareholders more risk of operational uh, readiness. Um, and uh, we can put some, some more firm square brackets on those cost numbers. The second part is the logistics and infrastructure is although we've built the port facility, um, we haven't operated uh, other than a tote road, a, a, a cap train between the mine and the port facility. We're in the, in the late stages of building that winter ice road between those two and showing how we can uh, operate that uh, in the long term uh, through construction and operation of the mine. I've seen uh, a piece that you did recently where you're talking about looking at debt financing versus equity and obviously you know, you think the equity bid is a bit rich at the moment. Um, so you're putting out the, the, the first pour to 2022, I think, is the, I think yes. that's what you said. So you've obviously run the economics on that and said that it just doesn't make sense. Are you going to kind of continually monitor that situation between now and then, or is that that's the date set in stone? You know, because of the seasonality of shipping to the north and winter ice roads, um, it's binary is, you know, we're now at the stage that even if we had all the money uh, is sitting in a bank account ready to go, we could not uh, do Q4 2021 without uh, adding significantly more risk of trying to compress that schedule. So we have to deal with the seasonality and it was a decision that we looked at and we didn't take lightly. With that being said is, is uh, the vast majority uh, of our shareholders were relieved that uh, we pushed it out rather than trying to force an equity uh, issue in a, in a market that frankly isn't, uh, isn't being supported. Okay, no, that, that's understood. So look, um, a couple of easy questions for you here. Give me five reasons why investors, new investors, and uh, should be investing into Sabina. Well, the first is this world-class uh, gold project with um, <coughs> extremely robust economics. Our feasibility was completed at 1150 gold versus today, uh, you know, high 12s, low 13s. Um, and, uh, and we're at a much more favorable Canadian uh, to US dollar than our feasibility. And at 1150 US, that had a after-tax IRR of over 24%. At today's spot gold and spot exchange, that, that's well over 30%. Uh, manageable pre-production capital, a high annual production, but it's also a district. We've been working on eight kilometers of this 80 kilometer belt we have another 2 million ounces, a million of that uh, in inferred, um, sitting 50 kilometers away at the George project. We haven't set foot on that since I've been with this company. So we have that low risk conversion opportunities, blue sky, greenfield and brownfield opportunities. It's also a significantly de-risk project in the first world 
is that we um, are now fully permitted. Uh, we have some licenses to complete, but those aren't you know, part of a public review process. Those are you know, show the engineering and design and how you can meet the standards and you will receive. Um, and we've got a, a, a company uh, with uh, executive and a board that have a track record of, of success. So I think I might be more than five, but um, you know, I think that uh, is really the, the, the rationale behind uh, uh, being a shareholder. So, Bruce, I'm just going to ask you a few questions which are kind of circulating, circulating the market and you know, perhaps something that you want to address as well. So let's start off with the, the project itself. Obviously, you've got a, a district. It's not an asset per se. It's a, it's a district. So talk us through some of the numbers. Your market cap's around sort of 390 today as we, as we talk. Um, how much did you pay for these assets and you know, what did you inherit? It was uh, seven million in cash and uh, 17 million shares uh, of Sabine at the time that we uh, uh, paid to acquire these. And at the time, it was a two million ounce uh, resource. Uh, a lot of that uh, inferred uh, no current economic analysis. Um, and frankly, it, it just too small a resource to move forward uh, given the the cost to overcome logistics and infrastructure. And so, you know, we've spent significant dollars and, uh, and that'd be, you know, uh, close to 300 on, on advancing this, this project. Today, we have over 500,000 meters of core uh, drilled into the Back River uh, uh, district. So what we have ended up with is 5.2 million ounces in measured and indicated, another 2 million ounces of inferred at uh, over six grams. So, you know, high grade, all of these deposits are, are still open. And what we have shown in the last three years since we've done our last resource update, that uh, we've made uh, three new discoveries um, that uh, uh, are outside of our, our current economics analysis. Right. So in terms of dollars spent, do you feel that you've got you, the, the value today is a reflection of, of the time, the value, the numbers that you've created? No. Today, you have permitted developers like us trading at historic lows. Is, and again, we're not alone. Uh, but trading at this point four times now. And you can't recreate this kind of value um, without risk. So if we look at a grassroots project that is going to uh, be typical as in building up the resource, building up your, your understanding of the economics of the project, going through the permitting, um, it, it, to recreate that today would cost significantly more than, uh, than what we uh, have put into the ground in Back River. So, you know, I think today uh, we're trading at a, at a discount with many of our peers. And it's this developer group that I think offers some of the best opportunities in the marketplace because the expiration risk is behind, the permitting risk is behind, the feasibility risk is behind, and now it's execution uh, and delivery risk, uh, which again is, is easier to manage than expiration risk by a, a big margin. Right, but obviously, as a public company, you're you're measured by one number, and that's that's the share price. Your peaks last year of you know 182, you're down at 1 134, 135. You've had um, a bit of a knock there. But what would you say to new investors looking at Sabina now? It's a far better company than it was when we were trading at our 52-week high. We we have a it's not a gold price environment. It, it it's an investor sentiment environment. You know today. Uh, again, uh, why did we use 1150 uh, for a feasibility? Because we could to show the economics of the project work. Um, and again, the sensitivities in that study, so you can look at the economics in today's price. Um, to have a project that doesn't need a higher commodity price, doesn't need a better exchange, uh, a foreign exchange ratio, and to have these, uh, these, these important catalysts uh, behind us, but also having 
uh, uh, catalyst in front of us, you know, I, I think it's just a far better company than it was when it was trading uh, you know, 50% higher than it is today. Well, yeah, obviously you've, you've, done, you've done a lot in terms of permitting and drilling. You've got data, you've got a lot, a lot of um, de-risk factors. I, I get that. But what are, what are the things that you think are going to happen this year, which is going to give the stock a, a bump? You know, so, you know, that's what investors are looking for. You know, there's lots of choice out there. So what are you going to do? Uh, well, the first is try and uh, de-risk the project to the point that um, we have as much confidence as we can have in capital costs and logistics and infrastructure. But the other uh, part of it, which is very important, is continue exploration. We've made a very important discovery with Navoyak. Our discovery pole was almost 12 grams, just under 40, uh, 40 meters. You know, that's a, a once in a lifetime uh, for many people in the gold business and have followed up on it and chased it, not only up dip, but down dip. Um, we're going to continue on, uh, on following that zone up and get to the point that um, if we're a follow-up summer program that uh, we can put together a resource um, and uh, use that as a, as a leapfrog into you know, additional economics on this project. That costs money. It takes time and time's money. So how much cash have you got today and where does that take you through to? Well, we, we started this year with 50 million Canadian. We will end the year without any additional financings uh, in that neighborhood of, uh, of 10 to 20 million. What we've done is in our budget is we've actually put in some civil works and some optional programs that we may or may not do. And, and it really is going to depend on, on investor sentiment and whether we think that we have a line of sight on you know, that larger financing. And again, it, it's, it's going to be based on investor sentiment. There's no use advancing some of those construction activities unless we see there's an appetite for actually paying uh, for those in the marketplace. Right, okay, okay, that's fine. So you, you've got enough cash to get, get you through to where you need to be. And I'm guessing a lot of that money is going in the ground. There's not, not a lot of overhead in your business. I mean, the burn rate is... Our burn rate is relatively low. If you know, we do have payments now that we have um, our agreement with the Katikmina uh, Inuit Association that uh, aren't, are not insignificant, but again, with our capital structure, uh, aren't, uh, aren't aren't certainly going to break the bank. Um, but the vast majority of our dollars have always gone into the ground, and we try and maintain a very lean operation uh, otherwise. Right. So, so let's let's talk about some of the shareholders here. Obviously, you've got a, a large sort of Chinese group sitting on just, I think, just under 10%. What's the plan in terms of working with them or for the, for the business? So Zhaojin uh, Mining is the China's fifth largest gold producer. They actually found us. Um, and that was a deal that took uh, 23 months from first uh, introduction until closing. And what we liked about their philosophy is they uh, take a long-term approach. They uh, recognize the district potential of uh, Back River. They believe that this isn't uh, a two million ounce initial project, that this is a much larger uh, multi-generational asset. And um, they uh, liked management, they liked our ability to uh, work in the environment uh, that we've decided to uh, focus on. Um, and they felt that uh, long-term uh, they could uh, derive good value for their shareholders uh, by making uh, an investment in Sabina. And providing you know some additional uh, assistance to us is, is they're very good underground miners. Um, they have a deposit that they're developing that has some very close uh, similarities to uh, Back River. Um, so not only do we get financial assistance, but also some technical assistance and uh, uh, with a big brother. 
but, but what does that say to the marketplace? Are you saying that you're, you're in bed with Xiaojin now and that's going to limit your ability to sell elsewhere? Because I, I know you did, you were quite careful about the wording on that agreement. Um, they have the ability to take more, but you know, you've got to optimize this for shareholders. So, so they own 9.9%, which is certainly not a blocking interest. Um, they have the ability to go 19.9%, which, you know, it, it, that people start worrying about, is that a blocking interest? But we also received a four-year standstill in a four-year voting trust where they couldn't make a bid for the company. And more importantly, with the voting trust, if somebody else makes a bid for the company, they cannot vote, simply vote no. Uh, they have to either vote with management or provide a superior proposal. They cannot just block. So if people are worried about uh, uh, not getting the best value, you know, I think that agreement um, uh, actually puts in writing uh, uh, the mechanism that uh, we, we will achieve best value for our shareholders for Sabina, if, if that M&A was to happen. Now, the reality is, is um, I don't think anybody wants to see a transaction at the bottom of the market um, particularly with some of the uh, the objectives that we have for delivery in the in the, in the next uh, two years. Yeah, I mean, you you're, you're sitting on a, what a global resource of about seven point two million ounces at the moment, high grades over six grams a ton. You've obviously with the the open pit is looking good. The strip ratios are you know not not bad. Uh, metallurgical risk seems reasonable. How big do you need to get before you start looking at offers or people start making offers? I mean, this this is already a big big project it's not big it, it's it's valuation at what valuation would you be at and at the end of the day is um, look if you look at my track record I have no problem building and operating I also have no problem uh, uh, selling at the right time um, it's how to maximize value and I think it's human nature that you know people would rather whether it be a shareholder taking risk with us moving it forward or our management team taking risk uh, and moving it forward is I think it's human nature that would you rather do a lot of work for more or uh, a lot less work for, for slightly less. Timing is everything in this business. And um, we have uh, essentially seen capital lack of reinvestment uh, in the sector. Um, and although in 15, 16, we saw a bit of, a, uh, of, a, of a, an upwards blip, um, we're still in, in, in a poor uh, precious metal uh, equity environment. Um, I don't think uh, that it would serve any of our shareholders, uh, particularly those long-standing ones that have been with this company for a, a decade as we advance this project, to for us to try to uh, move a, a sale process at the bottom of the market. So, you know, what we are uh, able to do, and again, the reason that we have the management team, the board, the executive, uh, the, the employees, is is we've uh, we've developed a team that can maximize value and, and build this and operate this. But it doesn't mean we're going to be closed-minded at the right time and the right valuation to an alternative transaction. Okay, so you've got the right team there, but you know the, the market's the market. So let's move forward to end of 2019, beginning of 2020. You spent your money. Share price is the same. What do you do? Well, again, where we do have a benefit is to having large strategic shareholders that have a long time horizon. It enables us to move projects forward where others can't. And we also are in an environment that there are so few assets that are at this stage um, that um, it, it's certainly far easier for us to raise capital than many of those uh, grassroots early stage uh, uh, projects. And, you know, especially with a larger market cap of where we are, you know, of, of, of $300 million, 
you know, to try and move it to, uh, forward with 20 to 30 million a year until the timing is right is, is not something that uh, would, uh, would uh, uh, be the worst thing uh, rather than, again, trying to affect a, a sale process at the bottom because the lack of financial capability, that's your only option. Okay, so let's look at some of the, uh, the basic numbers. Your, your MPV looks okay. Um, your IRR is you know, okay. I mean, do you, I mean what, are the, what are the numbers that people should be focused on in terms of understanding what the opportunity here is with Sabina? I would say they're, they're better than okay. If we, again, look at the headline numbers on our feasibility, which a lot of people, especially, you know, uh, it's a lot of retail investors look at that, but don't take a look at the sensitivity. So even though at 1150 gold with an 80 cent dollar, it's a 24.2% after tax IRR, at today, spot on spot, it's over 30%. And if we look at the NPV, it's over $760 million, I believe. Um, so it, I, would, I would say it's, it's very good, particularly in relation to our market cap. You know, you have to look at the, uh, uh, at least those, those in current uh, prices. So, um, you know, that uh, alone is looking at a developer that in a normalized market will trade it to, you know, 0.7 times now. You know, there's a re-rating alone without us doing anything waiting for a marketplace. But with that being said, is you want to be able to have first mover advantage. Uh, you want to be able to take the most attractive equity offerings. Um, you have to be able to, 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 to move this project forward at the right time. And it's, it's being ready uh, for when that market does change to be able to take advantage. Okay, so again, looking, looking at the market, it's, I, th I think the general consensus is it, it, it's picking up, not particularly fast, but it's, it's, it's picking up and it may continue. If it doesn't, obviously, you know, the short, the short term um, upside here is restricted somewhat. I think long term, I think you, you've argued a pretty good case that there's a lot of upside in the long term. What could you do to affect any of this short-term upside that new investors might be looking for? Is there M and A on the horizon? I know you've got a district-wide um, asset, but you know, is that a, a consideration? Look, it's always a consideration. I don't think uh, at the end of the day we're stewards of the company and it's the shareholders' company. If a compelling offer is made, I think that we have to uh, bring that to shareholders. Um, but you know what I think we can do is even in in difficult markets. So remember. We've been a company that has been able to, since 2011, move this project forward uh, every single year. So we've been able to, uh, to, again, get through a permitting process. Both metallurgy and permitting in this business tend to be people give you full credit for it until you fail. Um, so we've been through some of those higher risk activities already. I think the, 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 the reality is, is if we get any cheaper, we probably won't be around because somebody will take advantage of that. Um, but uh, continue moving it forward, continue showing that as a management team that we have better ideas on how to reduce capital, how to reduce risk, how to grow the resource, but we don't have that binary risk now of, of permitting, of, 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 of putting a resource together, of getting a feasibility together. Um, uh, you know, again, all of that behind us in a, in a first world wonderful jurisdiction, the upside uh, opportunity, uh, if we continue to see this, uh, this uh, better interest uh, in, in, in the gold sector, um, I think is, is a tremendous opportunity. And if we look at the macro factors today, I think for investing in gold is probably never been better. Okay, so just, just to kind of finish off here, you, you, know, you said earlier, you haven't performed as well as your peers for a variety of reasons. So new investors looking at you, why Sabina, why not your peers? 
Well, look, it, a lot of it's jurisdiction. Is uh, if we take a look at some of our peers uh, that are out there that are that are down the development path, um, they're certainly not jurisdictions that compare to Canada. Um, uh, you know, everybody in this business, whether it's you're investing in Sabina or or any of our peers, has to take commodity price risk. But why take the country risk on top of that? Why take additional permitting risk? Why take additional risk on the on the technical factors behind it, on resource size, on growth? You know, because of our jurisdiction and because of the economics of this project, um, I think really it, uh, it it is one of the better uh, gold development uh, investments that uh, you can make. Okay, Bruce, thanks very much for your time. I know you're busy. Great to catch up with you and understand the Sabina story in a little bit more depth. It would be lovely if we can catch up in the next couple of months and sort of see how you're getting on. Sure, that'd be great. Appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.